Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask for your Holy Spirit this morning to open your word to us, to speak it to our minds, plant it in our hearts, and to grow it in faith in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please be seated. So I live in a very small neighborhood. There are about eight streets, and there are six houses in those eight streets that are numbered 204. And routinely, um, I know all of these people by name because routinely, about once every, I don't know, three or four weeks, I don't actually know them all name. I know three of them by name. One lives right next door to me. It's very odd, 204, 204. And routinely, I get a piece of mail that is addressed to 204 Live Oak Avenue which is an easy thing to confuse because we live at 204 Tall Oak Avenue. Or you might live at 204 Hickory Avenue or 204 Collingwood Avenue or 204 Audubon Avenue, I think is one of them that goes straight through the middle. Routinely, the postmaster gets it jumbled up and we have to be neighborly and walk to them or go over to their house and drop off their mail or we, it's, have you ever read and returned to sender on an envelope? It's sort of like, especially when it's misdelivered, that's sort of like not being nice to the postal worker. It's like, look, you made a mistake, and I'm going to permanently write on here. Don't do that. Put a post-it note. Um, But we do this to be neighborly because the person presumably who sent the mail, right, wanted it to get to the person. It reminds me of a story that there was a woman who had a package. She took it to the post office to mail and was told that it would cost $8.40 for the express delivery or $3.30 for slower service. And the lady thinking to herself that it's okay, she said, there's no hurry, just so the package is delivered in my lifetime. And so the clerk looked at her and looked at the package, and she goes, he goes, may I suggest the express delivery? Uh, <laughs> this just reminds me, right, when we send something, we expect that it's going to get, our intent is that it gets to where it belongs. And if in mail it's misdelivered or worse, is lost forever, then our intent is not actually realized. And especially when we have something that is urgent in nature, perhaps you have a birthday gift that you're trying to send 24 hours before it happens, or a legal document that you need to get to somebody, or a financial thing, you take extra care with the urgent things in life, right? You go there and you get the... the, the the delivery confirmation and the signature confirmation and all of this stuff, and you add it on in there, and then it still takes three weeks to get there. And um, no, you take special care to get it to where it belongs. The greater the need, the more urgent the message, the more care one gives in sending, you're going to pay the extra cost. For the last 2,000 years, both At the time of Jesus, through the time today, God has taken incredible care to send his message to the world. He has such an important message from his mind. He has the most important message that the whole world has to hear, for his people Israel to hear, and for all the world to hear. And the basics of the message are this. Evil has power over you such power that you're going to die an eternal death forever separate from me and I love you and because of your sin I have to do something and God's message is I'm going to do something and today his message is I have done something and he doesn't use a courier or the U.S. Postal Service he tried all those kind of things remember 
Like when he sent Moses to deliver Israel. When he gave the people of Israel judges to rule over them. When he gave them the king that they so desperately wanted. When he sent the prophets, he used other methods and people still didn't hear him. And so in the last day, he takes the most important messenger he can and he sends it to his people. And that is his son, Jesus. The need is urgent. The message is is essential. Without it and without Jesus, we will die. So the more important the message, the greater care God shows in delivering it. But then you start looking at a passage today and it makes me scratch my head. If this is the most important message that God shows the greatest care for, then what in the world was Jesus doing when he entrusted it to a bunch of humans? Right? I mean, no offense intended, you may be wonderful, but I go to the grocery store with five things on my list and I come home with four. I immediately forget unless I write it down. We are not that reliable at times. What in the world are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing when you're entrusting your message of grace to human beings? But that, my friends, is exactly the trajectory that God is doing. Throughout the New Testament, God sends his son Jesus into the world, and Jesus calls his disciples And he trains, he equips, and he forms them, and then he sends them out. As we see in this morning's gospel reading, he sends them out to the world. Of course, there is in the middle of this story the the part where Jesus dies on the cross for us so that we might not die. He rises again so that we might have life, and he gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us. This is how the gospel The New Testament story works out. God sends his son, God sends Jesus, and he sends you. That's at the heart of the vision that God's given us in the Bible. It's the heart of what it means for us to be disciples here at Holy Cross. Jesus calls you, you decide to follow him, you put your trust and faith in him when you decide to follow him, and then as you follow him, he begins to form you, and you begin to know his words, you begin to know his purposes, and he's given you his Holy Spirit to understand him, and he is preparing you to go out into the world. He is sending you. That is the call that we've been talking about over the last couple weeks. God calls every believer in this world, calls every believer to this life. And so at the beginning, when you were just starting to believe, you just started to believe. But as you grow and mature, you come to a place where you want to fulfill the kingdom purpose God has for you. You want others to come to know about Jesus. I see this happening all the time. I mean, it's not a cliche. I mean, cliches are cliches because they're pretty true. That out there, just down the street, just next to your house, maybe on either side of the the street from the church, wider area in the state of South Carolina, in our country, in the world, there's a lost and hurting world. That's the cliche. And those people cannot know the love of God, who cannot have real hope in God, who will die real and permanent deaths apart from Christ. 
This is the reality. You know it as well as I do. You, if you have kids, you know, um, and maybe you're you, you trying to help them through this, or maybe you're realizing it, but your kids are become exhausted chasing the world. They're hurt when their friends are dumb and they hurt them. They hurt when they aren't at the top of the class or the top of the, uh, the best on the team. They hurt when they're lonely. Or perhaps you have neighbors. You know, the ones that you see for a moment. They're broken. They're sad. They're on their own. Or if you're like me, you realize that there's a greater need throughout the world, both for, uh, for provision in the third world or the two-thirds world or whatever you want to call places that don't have much. And you realize that you have, provision, you have opportunity to help people out. You have opportunities to share the gospel and to share their needs. Who will tell your kids about the real love and the real purpose and real life that they can have in Christ? Who will provide friendship and comfort to a lonely, awkward, maybe annoying neighbor? Who will give hope to a starving world? My friends, guess who God is sending? Us. He's sending you and me. God's purpose throughout the history of the church is that he is equipping and sending us. His intent is for your discipleship, for your following him, to bless the whole world. God is sending you. And how is he doing that? First, he's doing it with power. He's doing it with power. He's giving you power. And that power, with that power comes purpose, it comes his provision, and comes his peace. If you've been with me over this summer, I've preached three or four times, and I've used alliteration every time. I'm in the alliteration phase of my ministry. I think it was three D, five Ds. I think it was Ps last time. This time there are four Ps, right? Power, say that with me, power, purpose, provision, peace. All right, you ready? Let's do this. Here's how God is sending you into the world. Here is how God wants to send you in the world. He wants to send you into the world to bring his kingdom. Did you notice that in the reading? He says uh, in verse 9 or 10, I think, 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. How is it that you and I are bringing the kingdom of God? Well, it's this, is that God has given you his power to live in you. If you flip over on your sheet, look at Acts 1, verse 8. There towards the bottom. Jesus is between the resurrection and his ascension. Actually, the next verse, he will ascend to be with the Father. And this is what Jesus says to them, to the disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God has given you power if you believe in him. God has given you his actual person, his Holy Spirit, to live within you. Not just to encourage you, but to equip you to go into the world. His power is in you. God is in you. It's a big deal. It means that wherever you walk, if you walk over here, God's power, God's life, God's being is going with you. If I were to walk outside and go across the street and knock on a door, guess where God's, God's presence is? Over there at the door. When you walk into your office on a, on a Monday morning, guess where God's presence is? 
in your office. So you wonder how God is bringing the kingdom to the world. He's doing it through his people. He's given you the power to live in him, for him to live in you, and that power brings himself wherever he goes. It's the power by which the disciples heal people. It's the power by which the disciples per- pronounce the kingdom of God. It's the, the power by which uh, the church has comforted those who are hungry and poor and broken. It's the power by which miracles are done. It's the power by which you are able to stand in the presence of somebody who might not be so easy to stand in the presence of. You ever had that experience? I, I, I wrote this in the last part of the sermon. Uh, a few years ago, some of you, uh, if you're on staff, you remember this. There was an atheist that I met in the Whole Foods, and uh, he wanted to talk to me. And so I was like, okay, I'll talk to you. And so we met at Meadow Coffee. We're sitting on the porch there, and he, can, for a whole 75 minutes, just berates me from left to right, up and down, all around. And I'm just sitting there peacefully asking questions. Afterwards, I helped him to his car because he needed help. Compassion, right? Then I came back and I collected my stuff and this couple comes up to me and goes, I don't know how you did that. I go, I don't know how I did that either. Um, I mean, my flesh wanted to be like, right? But in God's presence, I didn't. I was a person of peace where there was conflict. How How did I love it? I loved that person in the power of God. You know that experience. Oh, God, give me grace with here. God gives you grace, not because he wants you, uh, not just because he wants you to live in peace, but because he wants his kingdom to come in the life of people. And wherever God's kingdom comes, as we see in this passage, God's peace rests. He says, go out and be people of peace. That's the last one. So we, we are people of power, right? God's given us his power to fulfill his kingdom mission. The second thing is that the power, with the power comes purpose. He has given you a purpose. In verse 2, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He teaches us to pray for more workers. Essentially what Jesus is doing is that when you go out in his name, whether you're going out to your home, to your children, or your uh, maybe your grown children, you're going to them to love them with a particular purpose of leading them closer to the Lord, or you're with your little kids in your home, or whether you're out into the workplace, or whether you're off to the far ends of the world, God has given you a purpose, and that purpose is to raise up more workers for the harvest. When Jesus says pray for workers, what he's saying is pray for more converts, Just think about this. When Jesus comes, he makes disciples, right? And the disciples disciples become like Jesus so much so that Jesus sends them out. And when they give him the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, that's where the power comes immediately after the chapter we're reading from today. The, The disciples are now ministering and they're preaching and they're power and they're healing people and they're proclaiming the kingdom in all kinds of ways, right? And throughout Acts, you see that come with compassion, caring for widows and the poor. And they're having great fruit, right? And all of a sudden, those people come to Jesus, even though Jesus is no longer around. And those people come to faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they go out, if you read the book of Acts, and they start going out, and they start proclaiming the kingdom, and people come to Jesus, and once people come to Jesus, they get the what? Holy Spirit. And then they go out, and then eventually it comes to 2019, and some of you came to faith this year. 
because the disciples, powered by the Holy Spirit, minister and come on. And all that time, more workers for the harvest. Do you see that, how God's doing that? Through his ministry, through the ministry of us, he's raising up workers. And so when we ask God to provide more workers for the harvest because the world is hurting, we're asking God to bring more Christians, to make more Christians. That's the purpose. He has called us to bring the kingdom of God near so that people respond to the gospel and they are transformed. Third thing is with power comes provision. There are three ways in which God provides us in this passage. First of all, he provides you with a partner. Jesus always sends out people two by two, right? He does it when he sends out the 12 in chapter 9. He does it when he sends out the 72. He is, uh, he's giving us a principle for kingdom mission. When you think about you going to your family, you're trying to raise your children in, uh, in the Christian faith, it is best, not always possible, but it is best, part of the God's design for the family is that the father and the mother are doing that together. See, God's already given you, if you're married and have kids, um, uh, an ideal. I know it doesn't always work out, but his desire is that you have a partner in the mission that he's sending you on. Perhaps in your workplace, you have another Christian you pray with. Uh, perhaps you, uh, in the world, you've gone off to Honduras on a mission team. You just come back, and you, we send people out by groups. The operative is that you're not alone. Not only does he provide a partner, but he provides, a, uh, he provides security. Jesus says in verse 3 that I'm sending you out as lambs, weak, needy, peaceful little lambs among wolves. I'm sending you out to a scary and difficult situation. And then he goes on in verse 4, don't pack anything. Don't take any money. Don't take any extra shoes. Don't take any clothes. Don't worry about all this stuff. Why? Because presumably God is providing for your security and your needs. And you see that when he says, when you find a place of peace, eat what they give you, stay in their home, you are deserving of that wage. God is going to take care of you. So he provides a partner. He provides security and provision there. And finally, he provides fruit. We already talked about this, how he, we pray for workers for the harvest. He provides the fruit that he desires. And then third, in the power of God, not only do we have purpose, not only do we have provision, but we have peace. And this is what it's all about. Peace. When you receive Jesus... In the chaos of your life, perhaps you're considering in this morning, what he offers is peace. First of all, peace with the Father. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, meaning faith in Christ has made us right, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is the operative term. God wants you to have peace wherever you are today. Not just in his mission, but perhaps in the chaos or the disappointment or the scariness of today. He wants you to have peace. And because you can have that peace, and if you believe in him, you do have that peace because your life is secure in him. You are free not to strive, particularly when it comes to fulfilling Jesus' kingdom mission you can go out in freedom, relying on his power, his purpose, his provision. You're not forced to perform or to compel somebody to believe. You can rely on Jesus to bring peace. You are his messenger. 
you are sent by him, empowered by him, to fulfill the intent that he has for you. He's sending that piece of mail and expecting it to get to the world, knowing that the world needs to get to it. He didn't just trust it to a library and a book that, I mean, we have the Bible, it's a good thing, but he didn't simply just trust it for everybody to go to the library and read the Bible. He entrusted people to live it out before them. I wonder, friends, what our church would look like, what our community would look like, what our world would look like as we answer this call to go and make disciples, to be sent out to the world to bring the kingdom of God, to bring the compassion of God, to bring the love of God, to bring the peace of God. And while I'm interested in what it looks like for a church that, you know, it's not just about numbers, but if we were to bring that to the world, we would see the church grow, right? I'm not just interested from that. I'm not just interested because it is a loving, compassionate thing to help orphans in our neighborhood or in our town be adopted or help uh, foster children be cared for or help the hungry and the lonely be met through Meals on Wheels or whatever ministries we might engage in. Think about their hearts and how encouraged they are. I'm not just interested in seeing the kingdom grow in far-off places like Tanzania where we're taking Bible, we're giving Bibles to people who have no other book. The only book they now have is the book they got last month when the bishop gave them Bibles that y'all purchased for them. We're going to go to these places. We're going to love kids. We're going to build up the kingdom. I'm not just interested in that. What I'm really interested in is, is when God walks out into the world with you and he sits down next to one person and he brings the peace of God to that one person for the first time in their life because they were alone and you sat with them, because they were hungry and you fed them, because they were broken and you gave them the solution to being made whole, the solution to being made perfect, which is Jesus. That's the kingdom that God's calling us to bring forward into the world. That's the kingdom that God's calling you and me to fulfill. That is the prayer that we have for this church. Not that we would have glorious Sunday mornings, which we do, but that we would see one life by one life by one life be transformed by the love and grace of Jesus. And the letter he's sending, the letter he wants delivered, is you. Let us pray. Father, I just pray that you would send us in your power. And where we might be reluctant, you might help us be willing by the power of your Spirit. Where we might be hungry for more, we would might be willing to step out. And I pray that you would show us fruit, Lord, that you would bring fruit by the work of your people in the world, by the work of these men and women in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.